0: A race to find patient 0. A race to find a cure. Protect your loved ones in World War Z. Mafia wake up, wake up. Wake up.
1: You have created a monster and it will destroy you. Just so you know, two times you said erase and it sounded like erased, just like our last recording of this episode. <laughs> erase.
0: erase. a race, a singular erased. race to find a cure. Protect your loved ones in World War Z.
1: Oh.
0: Ah man. Well, lots Alex. of protection going Welcome on. Welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> To the Monster vs. Men podcast. It's the bargain basement of the Monster Podcasting Airwaves, where two friends try to stay alive and stay connected by chatting about weekly monster movies. This week, as we stay alive, we are discussing World War Z, starring the one and only
1: Bradley K. Pitt. Ugh, a little dream boat. always, a, a, always just a, a sexy little band, you know what I'm saying? I, I like me some Bradley <laughs> mm, Bradley 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 <laughs> it's that hair is that sandy oh man hair, whatever it is mm-hmm. what's your favorite
0: what's your favorite Brad Pitt movie Ooh, my Alex?
1: favorite Brad Pitt movie that's a really great question that I am not gonna be able to get an answer of off the top of my head um I'm going to say... We'll keep starting for time
0: because now I'm looking up his filmography.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, let's just go ahead and go with the most recent one that I've seen. Bullet Train. Definitely not my favorite of his, but it's the only movie Mm. I can think of right now that's not Fight Club. And I do love me some Fight Club. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love some Fight Club. I'm not one of those people that's like, Eh, Fight Club's overrated. Actually, I I uh, hear (laughs) I I think Michael is really great, actually. Um,
0: now, let's see. No, his best movie, my favorite movie, oh, wait, here is, he is. What? Seven.
1: Oh. What?
0: Seven. Seven? Oh, Seven's really good. Well, actually, that's not my favorite movie that he's in. But he's really good. My favorite movie that he's in is Tree of Life. That's, that's what I, I thought
1: sure. you were going to say, was that.
0: Yeah. But he's got other. Some, he's got some great movies. Moneyball. Um, I really think it's a great movie. Um,
1: yeah, Moneyball is great.
0: It really is. Like I don't know how they made that movie so exciting, but they did.
1: Oh, is a really ooh. good
0: movie. I've got one. Yeah.
1: Inglorious Bastards.
0: Oh, it's a great one. That's a great one. That is definitely. Yeah. Hmm. Well. I, yeah. I was gonna say it's my favorite Tarantino Brad Pitt combo, but I think there's only two. So, um, <laughs> and I like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Bullet Train feels Tarantino-esque. Um, uh, yeah, I like the the character that Brad Pitt plays in those three types of movies. Uh, but yeah, and Glorious Bastards is fantastic. Really,
1: yeah, it really is. Oh, it's so good. So I'm gonna give I'm gonna give him that one. There you Come go. On. All right.
0: Well, cool. Um, Brad Pitt got me thinking, Alex. Man, I think this is the biggest movie star that we have had since Frankie the Snapping Turtle Sakai made his big screen debut on Monsters vs. Men.
1: Yeah, they don't get any bigger
0: uh, than than the the old Snapping
1: Turtle. Brad
0: Pitt gets fairly close. He gets close. I don't think he can surpass the heights of our boy Frank, but um, he gets close.
1: yeah, I mean it yes, does brad Brad Pitt have sex appeal? Yes, but does he have the snapping turtle sex appeal? No. Not quite, not quite. No <laughs> <laughs> Oh man <laughs> oh. Yeah, sorry, it
0: just I mean, they're sexy, but then there's Frankie Sakai, yeah. so it's just a different tier.
1: Yeah, you definitely want a man that can wrestle you down. Um, That's right, that's right. (laughs) All right, Eric. Let's let's go ahead
0: and jump in, though, Alec. All right. Directed by Mark Forster, 2013's World War Z offers, once again, a different take on the zombie genre. What we get in World War Z is a mystery film, a contagion pandemic film, and a family melodrama rolled into one. But does this interesting blend of ideas work? Or is the film a little too berserk? What say you, Alex?
1: Yeah, I I really love the ideas here. This feels like, in a lot of ways, the perfect evolution of 28 Days Later's fast zombies. Hmm. You know, they're cranked up on steroids, and overall, they look really good. Some clear visual effects are being used at times, but it's not bad enough for there to be really issue with it at all. Not only that, the globe, tr- the globe, trot- the globe-trotting trot- globe nature of the film, and the set pieces that there are, and the main character make this a pretty fun film. There's a nice little recipe here for something very interesting and different, and it's one that does something that I think stakes-wise also has this weird bell curve where it's very personal. It becomes hollywood blockbuster and then it becomes personal stakes and i, I really find that interesting about the film
0: yeah I, I think there's there's certainly a lot of aspects of this film that do work for me uh, but really i think the only thing that is berserk here are the zombies and i say that for better and for worse i will say though alex i am glad that we decided to watch this film for one of our 2010 features i I know we were both a little hesitant, and you were surprised, frankly, um, that we were watching this. Yeah. But I actually think there's a lot to dig into with this one. Um, For example, we have our first real PG-13 zombie movie. PG-13 and zombie almost feel like oxymorons, would you say? Um, Yeah. But this film doesn't... um, yeah, it, it doesn't take a route of going of being oxymorons. It actually embraces the PG thirteen uh, feel all the way around. In my opinion, is much more clinical, much more sterile, and much more Hollywood, uh, which lends itself ultimately to feeling quite polished. Which for me makes it a little too tame around the edges. Ah. I like this film it's like I've been spoon fed to like it in some ways. <laughs> so, so what do you think of the PG 13 rating Alex? Do you think it, it, it uh, makes it a little too tame around the edges?
1: Mm, it's a, it's an interesting question. Uh, as for the, the PG 13 rating, I think actually works well within the movie. You know, the only moment that really stood out to me, this being PG 13 was when, uh, jerry had the crowbar in the zombie's head in the finale and the image looked like it was clearly zoomed in to avoid getting that hard r rating like we don't want to show this thing in its head but we're gonna show this man trying to jerk it out and it's looking like it's really zoomed in and it's just it's odd like it was done in post 100 like it was not filmed that way originally mm. and i do agree though it does feel like an oxymoron you know but much of this carnage that we do see in this film is from a distance. It's a nice way to compensate for not being able to show a lot of that close-up ripping of the neck and like all the blood gushing out. So instead, we get to watch everything from far away. Even though it's not bloody, it is still pretty horrifying. And it really gives a feeling of impending doom when you see all of these cities falling one by one. With no real way to put an end to the zombie whores, And they are hordes. There are enormous amounts of zombies on screen. Another thing that I like about the film, though, is that it adds to the tension, despite being PG-13, with its establishment of rules. And then it sticks to those rules, which I really appreciate. You know, the instantaneous transformations. The, uh, are really cool. You know, we see we see Jerry do that countdown as soon as he sees something happen. And we get that countdown when he uh, thinks he might be bit because he got the blood. Or no, he thinks he might be turning because he got blood in his mouth. We realize the blood in the mouth doesn't turn you. I like that these establishment of rules, I like that he goes to the edge of this building and counts down so that if he does turn, he can throw himself off. Mm-hmm. These elements are really cool. And I also... On top of the prevailing mystery throughout the film, you know why are certain people being ignored? We see zombies running by that homeless man who is so drunk he has no idea anything is mm-hmm. going on. And then we see uh, we see you know it becomes more and more obvious as as Jerry begins to analyze the world around him. These these things really, I think, elevate the film uh, from being. A what could have been easily a PG 13 zombie run and gun film, and make this something very different and unique. Well, I agree
0: with you with some of that. I I think I would push back a little bit on the instances of of PG 13 rating coming into play. You know, we do not see much blood, much human blood, especially in this film, Um, even when we lose a limb or, or something, we, we don't get that. <laughs> yes. We don't, we get it cut away, right? The great moment, um, which is fine, right? It's just uh, it definitely brings that PG-13 quality into the forefront. But one of the aspects that yeah. does work for me so well in World War Z is how anchored we are to our main character, uh, Brad Pitt's Jerry. There, there's no point that he isn't the main focus Secondary characters are com- completely secondary, but that's okay Yeah, because really the focus is on that mystery that you just mentioned and finding a cure. Many of these secondary characters, they, they die uh, quickly. And some of these characters even provide remarks like, I hope this was worth it. And it turns out that in the end, it is worth it. Uh, but that actually just heightens the tension that we get with Jerry's journey. At at one point at the beginning of the film, we get that young scientist character who we think might be like our secondary main character. But no, he instead accidentally shoots himself, which honestly, (laughs) I'm fine with. I'm fine with him not being the main character. I don't know if I love the way that it played out. It's just an example in in a roundabout way. I think it's another example of how this film is actually more (laughs) sterile than maybe be a zombie film should be he's the only character we grow any sort of attachment to of any of those secondary characters and he gets the axe and so to me it feels kind of forced because it happens early on I think it's trying to set this tone like anything can happen in this world but really it just feels a little forced for me
1: (laughs) yeah I, I thought it was absolutely hilarious when it happened but I could definitely see why it would bother anyone and, and definitely why I could see, I could see why it would bother you. You know, he, he does feel like a new main character. He even has the look of like a secondary character, right? Like he feels like he's like, he's going to be on the rest of this ride only to humorously die in my opinion with a, <laughs> in a film without humor yeah so it's definitely a little off like I, even i don't know if i was supposed to laugh at it or not but i definitely did <laughs> i did appreciate that <laughs> i do <did> appreciate that, <laughs> that jerry tells him to keep his finger off the trigger and then <laughs> he immediately oh, does man. it and this is what happens yeah. it it's It's funny, but I definitely get the the other side of the argument. Um, And the other thing is, it does kind of set up this weird element uh, with this guy. Is that, like, he doesn't quite, like, Jerry doesn't quite understand how to stop this thing, but he's talking to this other scientist, who is kind of giving him some ideas. And what's really cool about that out that moment, even though that character dies quickly, is it gives us a really great illustration of Jerry. We've already gotten some hints to what his background is and kind of what he's done. But this moment really illustrates that Jerry is constantly observing the world around himself. And so he's always picking things up really quickly, able to adapt in a moment's notice. And that's what makes Jerry so interesting to me. It's not the talking that any of his dialogue in the film. It's not his family, who is pretty uninteresting overall. I do like the moments where they're in the city and the outbreak starts, and the moments when they're together. I do like, but after after they drop them off, you know, it, it, it's really like you said. It's this is Jerry's movie. It's all about it's the Jerry show, and what I really like is that his actions are what consistently interests me. And what really helps drive the film, you know, that and some of the bombastic set pieces. Israel in particular is insane with the towers of undead mm. working together like they're ants. You know, it's definitely imposing. But re- but really, it's South Korea uh, that is my favorite. And and the nighttime scene is tense and great. Everyone dies. It's excellently done. But. It's it's again, it's it's Jerry in these moments where he becomes a he becomes a pilot. He be <laughs> he's a man that can do anything, but he picks up little tiny bits of information from everybody and is able to apply them to figure out the solution to not being bit, not making yourself camouflage. Now they don't come up with a cure in this film. I wish that happened in a sequel that never happened, but I Jerry is a man of action and he's someone that we don't get a lot of. And I really appreciate that. They just show don't tell a lot of the time with this yeah. character.
0: No, I, I can get behind that. And I also do want to highlight that. I, I really appreciate some of those overhead shots of the zombie hordes. That's a unique aspect of this film that I think is really well done. Ultimately, mm-hmm. I, just to keep coming back to it, I feel like I'm criticizing this film a lot, uh, even though I probably like it more than I feel like I'm criticizing it. I, I just get to the point w- with Jerry and his family where I don't feel like they're truly threatened, uh, which is strange because we get some incredibly, I mean, incredibly high-stake scenarios. I mean, almost Fast and the Furious level scenarios here, right? The scenarios <laughs> are always grand and and they're not really intimate, which again is interesting Mm -hmm. for zombie film because I think one of the appeals of zombie horror is that body horror aspect that goes along with, you know, flesh-eating monsters. The best part of the film, though, (laughs) is that first act where the outbreak occurs and Jerry has to save his family. The scene where they go shopping feels real and is one of the more tension-filled scenes to me. Because it does have mm. that intimacy. You get the guy who's coming in with a gun that you think might be a junkie. right? That helps Jerry out. Yeah. And it's a moment of confusion and a moment of just sort of otherworldliness that I don't think we had seen in other zombie films up to this point. I wish we would have embraced some of that aspect a little bit more. Yeah.
1: And you also get that, uh, that, yeah. that cop who comes up. And they think they're under arrest, and
0: instead he's grabbing baby food and formula. It's great. I mean, those are subversions of expectations that um, are more intimate in their tension. But once the family is left behind, you kind of know that nothing's going to happen to them. Nothing's going to happen to Jerry. And that they will have their hallmark reunion at the end. It's just that kind of movie. Mm. Um, You know that's going to happen. Now, it doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself. I, I really did. Um, but there's also a certain lack of overall tension uh, for me in the film, which, which again can be problematic for a zombie film.
1: Yeah. It, Eric, last time we recorded this episode, <laughs> we, we both had a discussion about one thing, and you, you kind of swayed me a little bit, maybe, on uh-huh. is this a contagion film mm. or a zombie film? Yeah. And. You know, I, I thought about it a little more afterwards. I think I'm still landing at the same spot, but I think that this is still a zombie film, but it is handled very, very much like a contagion film. You know, the globe trotting, the finding of the, the quote unquote cure, uh, patient zero, you know, all of these elements are straight out of the contagion film handbook. Uh, but we get a little chompy uh (laughs) chompy zombies to ratchet up the tension and really at the end of the day it's mostly jerry's encounters with the zombies that kind of stand out to me like (laughs) especially in the the intro of the film and the you know he has to quarantine himself off to put the uh to inject himself with it and it's because that zombie is outside i still think this is a zombie film but I wouldn't
0: blame anybody if they just said, eh, it's a contagion film. Oh, yeah. No, no, I mean, I wouldn't make the case that this is a contagion film necessarily. I'm not one of these people that thinks we can't mash our genres together. Right. <laughs> uh, we can definitely have sci fi horror. That's the thing. It's okay. Um, but this is def- definitely has those elements of a contagion film. Um, I mean, if it, that's not your cup of tea, you're not going to like this movie necessarily, but um, if you're looking for something that is what we've come to expect out of the zombie genre, just know that's not quite what you're going to get. You're going to get a little bit of a twist, Uh, and that twist is that contagion feel, and I would say the PG-13 feel of this film. Mm. Fair. After last week's State of the Pod episode, Alex, on MVM+, Plus we get back to talking about life, what we've been up to, what we've been watching, what we've been thinking about, what's been capturing our attention. That's over at MVM Plus, where you can become a bargain-based mic. Patreon.com forward slash Pod. You can listen to that episode and our entire backlog of all of our episodes at Patreon.com forward slash Pod. Let's get into our awards, though, Alex. Who would you have for your most compelling character?
1: Once again, I'm pretty basic this time around. Jerry. Hmm. It's Brad Pitt, first off. (laughs) I know this is about the character, but you can't ignore Bradley. And honestly, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's just the actions of the character. Uh, He's pretty, he is pretty selfless. But it's the moments where we see him analyzing his surroundings, counting the 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 seconds until someone's infection is complete, Uh, his willingness to throw himself off of a building if if he is infected, uh, immediately picking up and listening to everybody around him and using all of that knowledge to solve all the problems. I really like that about the about his character, and I would love to know a little more about his background and what he used to do. So he he he's he's a character with a lot of intrigue, especially for a main character
0: yeah no uh i'm with you that's a good choice um i'm gonna choose thierry uh which is jerry's friend kind of friend who entices jerry to come back to help and then keeps his family safe until he doesn't in about 12 hours it's just interesting because he does lose his power um he doesn't have much power on the ship there but you would think, like, I mean, it's only been like 12 hours, and we're already kicking this guy's family <laughs> off the ship.
1: I know, immediately booted him. I'm like, jeez,
0: that is, that is relentless Thank Thierry. But, um, no, I mean, he was compelling. I'd like to, to know a little bit more about him uh, and his relationship with Thierry. There's probably a pre-story there at some point.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they booted them out. <laughs> Oh, so it's fast, like man. hours. They, they didn't even confirm like a death. No, like, yeah, get out.
0: It was, yeah, it's like, come on, just a little bit of a backbone, <laughs> you'd be okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do um, we have for most memorable line award?
1: Uh mine was the tenth man line by Jürgen Warmbrunn, where he was mm-hmm. saying that in any scenario they have a system in uh, in Israel that the 10th man has to disagree with everyone else and make a case for it. And I just thought that was a really interesting premise and an interesting way of doing things in a society like that. And that's very interesting and cool to me. I like that yeah, idea.
0: Yeah, it, it reminded me of uh, kind of a rabbi, right? Like in, in uh, a rabbi who is debating biblical texts and there always has to be a dissenter who has kind of like an opposing view, which makes sense because it was Israel. And but I'm with you this, I think my most memorable line comes from the same conversation from Jürgen Warmbrunn, mm-hmm. uh, And when he says, most people don't believe something can happen until it already has. That's not stupidity or weakness. That's just human nature. I think that's exactly right. Right? Like it's just, that's just how we live day by day we don't picture something (laughs) happening until it does. And uh, I think it's an apt quote for a contagion type of movie um, because I think we, we kind of live in denial about a lot of things uh, until they actually happen. So Mm. it was a good quote from Jürgen Warmbrunn, which is a fun name to say.
1: (laughs) It definitely is. And that's also, uh, it directly relates to my can't believe that acting award. Jurgen the actor for Jurgen Warmbrund, who I didn't look up, um, he does <laughs> he does a great job delivering these lines, and he's one of the few characters in the film that stands out other than Brad Pitt, because all of his lines are really like hard hitting, interesting, filled with character, building up the world around them. And I really like that. So he gives my can't. Can't believe that acting award. Um, I'm looking him up right now. Ludi Boken.
0: There you go. Cool. Yeah, he's great. He, he honestly, uh, those stand, standout scenes there in Israel. I can't believe the acting award goes to someone you already talked about. I already talked about. It's Bradley K. Pitt. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brad Pitt, honestly, It's hard to imagine anybody else that could do what he does in this film where he just carries it. You have to have somebody as grand as Brad Pitt to carry this film because of what we've already said, how it's so focused on that one man character and how it's so focused on the mystery at the center of this film. If you don't have a movie star that can handle it, this movie falls flat right from the beginning. You don't have a movie. Mm -hmm. So Brad Pitt is the perfect casting choice here. Um, it and, and he does a great job. One of the things about Brad Pitt in a role like this is he doesn't have to do much overacting <laughs> at all. He doesn't overact, it's all subtle. Um, and it's all in the persona. Um, and it is all in uh, the larger than life character that he represents. Um, so I, I, I gotta give hats off to Brad Pitt and uh, the casting team who were able to land him for yeah, this role.
1: Yeah, and hats off to the casting team for hiring Matthew Fox at the peak of his lost fame and not using him in the movie at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh,
0: man. <laughs> that's, good. that's good. What about, oh, that's a good shot of um,
1: I got to give it to a sequence we haven't really even talked about yet. But this is the opening of the plane in South Korea where they open the back of this military plane and it's just pitch black out there. And it's, it, it's just raining. And there's nothing out there. It's so eerie. I love it. And that whole sequence is really great. Um, especially when they're coming back on the bikes. Except for, <clears throat> um, you know, that phone call. Um <laughs> But that whole sequence is really great. Uh, and I, I just love the silence that it uses. And then, you know, everybody bites it at the end, but it's just a good sequence. What about you?
0: For sure. Uh, mine is actually the end shot. It's one that I just remember. I I couldn't remember until I watched this film again, if I'd ever seen it. And honestly, there were just certain moments that stood out to me. I was like, oh yeah, I have seen this film. Um, and, it was the moment at the end where Brad Pitt finally gets the cure—not the cure, but you know it prevents him from uh, oh, being yeah. attracted, attracting the zombies. And he walks through the horde, and it's like a wave that just runs around him. Um, such a cool moment, it's such a climactic moment in this film. Um, very cool setup to get to that point. It does get back to more, a little bit more of that intimate nature um though so i would say the stakes aren't very high i think we know what's going to happen but um at the same time uh i just love watching him walk through the zombie horde um really cool yeah i mean alex when it comes to the like intimate nature of this film None of those characters in the lab at the end have names, oh. right? They're they're like scientist one, scientist two, even the guy that like helps them out, he's like scientist really? three in the cast list. They don't the guy that had like a family, you yeah. know, like that <laughs> family all done. That's scientist number three, right? There's no sort of secondary character there that we're really attached to. They're all just faces uh, without names, practically. Practically, really, we care about what happens. I I was going to say,
1: let's just be honest, though. Everyone around Brad Pitt is just a face without a name.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True, true enough, true enough. What about your unique award, Alex?
1: Yeah, mine is the Bad Time for Karaoke Award, and that goes to the people of Israel for singing, (laughs) for just wanting to blare some tunes. (laughs) Hey, I get it. I get it. You just want to have a little dance party right beyond the wall with a horde of zombies. But uh, I love the moment that it leads to. And, you know, shout out to, to the little lady who ruined everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No what joke? about you? No joke. Uh, mine is the most icky situation. Mm. Because we get into some really sketch situations in this film. But might has to be another scene we haven't really talked about yet. You know, the scene where Brad Pitt decides to blow up half a plane? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a pretty icky situation to be stuck into um with zombies on board. Being on a plane with zombies is is not the best.
1: You didn't like all the luggage being stacked to to stop the horde? It's not no, not my <laughs> not
0: my favorite strategy to stop a zombie horde, honestly. <laughs> probably the only strategy, if we're being honest.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hey, he, he's thinking on his feet. It worked out, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, he blew up half the plane and somehow lived. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah,
1: he he got <laughs> wounded, though. He got wounded, you know, a little, little flesh True. wound.
0: True. <laughs> All right, Alex, time for final thoughts and tiered rating. Uh, let's go ahead and start with you.
1: Yeah, this is a, a nice... I wouldn't say a surprise for me because I've seen it before. But I was very happy with how much I liked it. And I was very happy with Jerry and how great of a character he is. Yes, a lot of the things around him are a little easy i guess i would say you know the family is protected the entire film after they get dropped off on the ship it's even hinted that they might be in danger but then they never come in danger again uh when they're removed from the ship um and there's some elements here where it really does feel like maybe they cut out a whole subplot like you know matthew fox's pilot was very clearly part of a bigger thing uh in the film And there's some elements like that that uh, I could see. But I keep coming back to the set pieces and Jerry and how much fun this movie is for me. I really enjoy it. And that character just sticks with me. He's, He's very different. He's Brad Pitt. And I just like the analytical nature of his character. And again, I guess like how I'm describing a bell curve in terms of the stakes. Personal, I guess the intimacy for... Brad Pitt, yes, his family's not necessarily at risk at the end, but it is like a one-on-one type of battle for him. I, I, I like that element. So, I, I want to give it a high gamma tier. Almost a like Godzilla tier, but there's a few things holding it back, like clearly missing plot lines that may have gotten cut out, and a couple easy, I guess, Hollywoodisms, I guess you would probably say, is like just a couple things that maybe feel a little safe. What about you? Yeah.
0: Well, as I said, I think I've been harsher on this film, maybe in our discussion, than I really feel about it. Because I enjoy myself watching this film. Like, I'm entertained um, by watching it. I feel like um, it knows how to handle itself. It knows how to keep me engaged. But it's also those aspects that make me hesitate about this film hmm. it's the aspects that make it feel too polished it um, made, like it made me studio. like it
1: too much
0: <laughs> no it, it's just a little too <laughs> polished And maybe a little too much studio meddling ah. um a little too audience mainstream audience driven to give hmm. the film the edge that it needs to make it something that's going to be more memorable to me to stand out more, as I said, I watched this. This is the second time I watched it. I couldn't remember I'd seen it the first time, um, which which tells you something about it. It's a great experience while watching it. I don't know how much you'll remember about it in years years down the road. I, I don't know if this will be a zombie film hmm. that you'll want to come back to over and over again. Uh, but for some people, this is going to be your cup of tea. Maybe you aren't quite as into zombie films. Maybe you do like that contagion feel, and I get that. So for me, this is actually a mid gamera tier, right there in the middle. That's how I feel about it. Um,
1: yeah, it's pretty good for you for a Hollywood film.
0: Can see why you, I can see why you would like oh it more than that uh, for sure. Are you slandering think,
1: me here um, at the end of the podcast?
0: No, uh, I think gamma tier is uh, where it belongs. <laughs> All right, awesome. What are we doing next week? On oh, next week. Alex, I I was thinking about this film. when we We're thinking about being in a a plane Ooh. with zombies. But when we take the train to Busan, will I want to go home, Man, or will I become a Stan man?
1: Ooh, I wonder if the hype for train to Busan is all a con, or if the ride <laughs> is wild. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, man.
0: As always, thank you for listening to Monsters vs. Men. You can leave us feedback on this episode at nvmpod.com or email us, nvmpod at gmail.com, and we will respond on the show. You can also follow us to message us on Twitter and Instagram at pod Become a bargain based mite at patreon.com forward slash nvmpod and receive weekly bonus content. And if you can't at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Kevin Alexander, Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, which formed Subblock B, Louie Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, as always, for listening. Until next time,
1: don't let your wife call you while you're on a silent zombie run. <laughs> <laughs> and, try and try to, to stay. Alive.
0: Mafia, wake up, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you.
1: Or maybe just turn it to silent, I don't know.
0: Yeah, vibrate at the very minimum.
1: Yeah, yeah, but maybe maybe in twenty thirteen they didn't have vibrate.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was so long ago, bro.
1: I know, I know.